Welcome to Chicago Tabernacle, a place of becoming. Wherever you find yourself, we pray that you would be encouraged today by God's Word. Hello everyone at Chicago Tabernacle in Chicago, Illinois. This is Pastor Jim Sembola, and I'm so happy that uh, I can be part of your Sunday, your Father's Day Sunday, and instead of Pastor Toledo giving you one of his excellent sermons, I'm going to do my best to be a blessing to you on this Father's Day. I love Chicago Tabernacle. I love the city of Chicago. Pastor Al Toledo is my son-in-law and his wife. Oh, do I love his wife, Chrissy Toledo, my daughter. And um, I thank God for the great things that are happening there, the great leadership you have. And now I'm going to do my best to feed you the Word of God on this Father's Day 2020. Usually on an occasion like Mother's Day or Father's Day, I don't speak directly about mothers and motherhood or fathers and fatherhood. I just not, have not been good at that, I don't think. But I try to link it with whatever I feel the Lord has put on my heart. But today... I'm going to talk about fathers on Father's Day. We're talking about fatherhood in many different ways. So I want you to bear with me and um, follow the, the biblical journey we're going to go on here talking about fathers and fatherhood. First of all, a shout out to all the dads. A shout out to all the fathers. Wherever you are, let's just do it. God bless every dad and all the labor and all the work and all you've done uh, to fulfill your role as father. May your children call you blessed. And may God reward you in the end for that unique ministry that he's given every dad who's in the house with the children. So dads, well done. Good and faithful fathers, well done. Fatherhood is a big thing now in the news, and for the last number of years, it's sometimes become like the 900-pound gorilla in the room that no one talks about as we try to solve social ills. And crime and dropping out of school and, and all kinds of other things. But now the statistics are triply sure. Every study shows the same thing. That children who grow up in a home where there's no dad are more likely to do poorly in school, more likely to drop out of school, more likely to possibly end up on drugs. These are the facts. And 20 times more likely to end up in jail than a guy or a girl grows up in a home where there's a dad. That is for white people, black people, Latinos, across the board, it is a certifiable fact that dads in the home bring something that is unique. It's a blessing. It leads to safety, security, advancement of the child's life. So that is so. And it's part of God's plan 
Keep with me now. Follow me. It's part of God's plan that he gave a long time ago to bless his creation. This is God's plan. Not talking about what you hear in the media. Not talking about what you hear from the Board of Ed. I'm not talking about any of that stuff. I'm talking as a pastor uh, preaching the Word of God. God's plan to bless humanity was a woman and a man married together, cohabiting, having children, and raising those children together with the dad in the home. That was God's plan for blessing, for safety, and to pass it on so that, the, let's say, the son growing up sees the dad in the home, and when he gets older, he imitates the dad he saw and tries to be a good father. I'm going to get to other situations in just a moment, but I want to just park here for a second. That's God's plan. Well, I don't believe that. You can believe whatever you want. I'm telling you what God's plan is. It's, it's throughout the Bible. Now, society, the culture around us, uh, the, the, the elite intellectuals, they have rejected that. In fact, they mock that. They mock the idea of the nuclear family, of a mom and a dad together. In fact, they glorify the fact that you don't need a mom and a dad together to raise a child well. The community will raise it. The Board of Ed will raise it or whatever. But... The statistics cannot be negated. We are seeing the results, the toll that has been taken by rejecting God, turning our back on his law. You, there's an old saying, when you break God's law, you break yourself on God's law. There are principles in this thing. There are principles that you can't violate without getting ramifications. What a person sows, they reap. So the culture, society has reaped for whatever reasons mocking the idea of that old-fashioned idea of mom and dad together with a kid. What a joke that is. Well, we're, we're paying the toll, and the kids are paying the toll. So kids are ending up in situations that they possibly could have escaped <clears throat> if they wouldn't have been raised in a, in a world where the things of God, the morality of the Bible, are just mocked. They're outright mocked. So... Kudos to you fathers, to you dads who have hung in and hang in. Please hang in. I'm going to get to other situations in a second, but I'm talking now to every dad who's in the home raising children. It is not easy. There's a thousand other voices out there. I raised my children, my daughter Chrissy, my daughter Sue, my son James. I raised my kids decades ago when they were young, formative age. And it was much easier. I'm telling the truth. We had our problems and challenges. But today, today everywhere you turn, there's a, a, an ungodliness, a violence, voices pulling them away from anything that the Lord has planned for their life. So you dads, muy bien, good job, good job, good job. Keep doing it. Keep raising them in the ways of the Lord. And while the culture says we're really advancing, we're past that old stuff. Oh, my. You talk about ultimate, uh, I mean, blindness. Just in a fog when it comes to the plan of God for his creation. 
Well, now, I want to talk to Christians and all of us now. So follow me on my little excursion. I'm talking now to believers who hear the appeal of God's word and who believe in God's promises. So let's, as they say, let's do real talk. So what do we do and how should we react to no dad in the house? There's no dad in the house. You got a mom raising her son, her daughter, or children, and there's no dad in the house. We just already established what God's plan was, but for whatever reason, it is not happening in your situation right now. You're alone raising your child, mom. I know it's Father's Day, but there's no dad. So now I want to start to bring in the truth that God's Word gives us about how God reacts when there's no dad, when his plan has been thwarted and there's no dad in the house. Does he just throw up his hands, as it were, and say, well, you know what? Later for you. Uh, um, uh, you're in that situation, but I've got this thing. Got to have a mom, got to have a dad, or it's not going to work. What does God do for his believers, his daughters especially, and for the children who look and there's no dad? Where are they going to get their identity? Where are they going to get a sense of security? That's the role of a father. Well, there's this beautiful, beautiful verse in Psalm 68. Listen. Sing to God, verse 4, sing in praise of his name. Extol him who rides on the clouds. Rejoice before him. His name is the Lord. A father to the fatherless. Defender of widows is God in his holy dwelling. Oh, do I love God today. This creator, this all-powerful, omnipotent God, is so great that he can speak a word and cosmic changes are made. But yet his heart is for the child who doesn't have a dad for whatever reason. Killed in a war, killed by in a crime, walked out on the mother. Whatever it is, he is a father to the fatherless. He has a special concern for vulnerable children who don't have a dad in the home. Can you receive that today, mom? I know it's Father's Day. But the fathers are cheering me on to tell you that. Should there not be a dad in the house? God is a father to the fatherless and the friend of the widow. You might not be a widow, but you're alone with your children. God is a special help to you. Can you believe that? Can you pray that? Can you receive that? Can you teach it to your children? You do have a father. I know you don't see him, but you have a bed, the best father anyone could have. You have your heavenly father. He's not just God. He's not just creator. Yes, king of kings, lord of lords. But his special name, Jesus said, when you pray, pray and say this, our father, father. He loves your child. He's going to take care of your child. Teach your children that. Believe that. Pray that. Oh, I love that about God, that he has concern and sympathy for vulnerable people in vulnerable situations. He's the father to the fatherless, defender of the widows.
So in compassion, he will provide the identity and the emotional security that your children need. Did you hear that? If you believe this, if we just embrace it by faith and pray it, he's going to supply the emotional, as you teach your kids, and the church does its job, the emotional security and the identity that every child needs. They're going to have it. Obviously, they can't get it from a physical father. He's not there. But moms, you're not alone. On this Father's Day, there's a father for your children, even though there might not be one around physically. But let's give another scenario, because we're being real now. What if there's not no dad? What if there's a bad dad? I'll be bolder. What if there's an evil father in the house? A bad dad, a bad example, brutal, unkind, noxious, vulgar. Doesn't matter how it happened. I'm not blaming anyone. I'm talking about what is. S lo que es. It is what it is. You got a bad dad. Don't tell me that hasn't happened. It's happening right now. And now the question is, what to do? You got a poor example. You got a poor example. You're secretly praying, oh, God, don't let my son be like my, the, the, his father. No, that's just the way it is sometimes. You, just because you're married to someone or there's a situation doesn't mean you, your eyes are blind. I was 12 years old when I heard my mother crying. Maybe 11. No, 12. And I got out of the bed, and I peeked through the door. My brother was asleep. My sister, we all shared this little tiny bedroom in a railroad apartment on Parkside Avenue in Brooklyn. My mother was crying, and there was my grandmother, my father's mother, and I heard my mother say, what am I going to do? Nick is drinking. Drinking. The parents who drugged me to church when I didn't want to go. I wanted to play stickball, basketball, baseball, any kind of ball. My father was drinking and my mother's weeping, weeping. That's emblazoned in my mind all these years later. So as I've mentioned many times before, I grew up in an alcoholic home. I couldn't have friends over because once my dad went from weekend binges to like all out drinking, a drunkard, an alcoholic, lost his job. Now I'm tense all the time in terms of when it comes to friends coming by. I don't want to shame my father. And my father's out of control. Who knows what he'll say? Who knows what he'll do? He'd get violent. So I grew up in a home seeing my mom beaten by the man that she's trying to nurse back to health. I mean, psychologically, emotionally. Oh, my goodness. As I think back on that. In some ways, if my mother had been all alone, I'm just thinking now. I've never thought of this before. How would it have been if there would have been no dad in the house? You know, I had an older brother, sister, younger sister. I don't know. The relatives, we all would have pulled together. But my mother said, no, I don't want him to go to the street. He'll end up in the gutter. I'll take it. Oh, what a saint my mother was.
But it was crazy for me. It was crazy for me. Dad, you know, when they had school, uh, you know, um, the teacher, parent, teacher's day, and the parents would stand in the back of the class. If a parent came, if my mom worked, it would be my mother, never my father. Okay, so I got to play basketball, played at Erasmus Hall High School, and I'm playing, and I remember, and this went all the way through, all the way to college in University of Rhode Island. Uh, parents would come up from wherever the players uh, originally were from, and I would hear guys in the locker room saying, oh man, I'm, I'm so happy my mom and dad are here, or my dad's here to see me play. My dad never saw me play one time. My dad never made it to my wedding. He made it to my brother's wedding, who got married before me, and he made it to my sister's wedding. Not my wedding. So the awkwardness of that. My mom's sitting all alone. So when you said father, I got like very defensive. Teacher would say, you know what? You don't straighten out here and do better because I got in trouble sometimes. You know, I'm going to call your father. And I was thinking to myself, you do not want to call my father. You have no idea what you'll get from my father. That was my father. So what does God tell us about these situations? Did you know that you don't have to be a victim? I am not a victim. I have never once said to any person that I can recollect, well, you'll have to just put up with my ways or you'll have to put up with the way I am because you don't know what my father did. By the way, after 22 years, God delivered him and he became sober and lived out his life in church praising God. But I have never said to anyone, you have to put up with this because you don't understand. Dysfunctional? Next to the word dysfunctional in the dictionary is a picture of my house. He almost burned the house down a few times. He'd start cooking things at three in the morning. That was my dad. So... I have never used that because God says that once you know Jesus Christ, you are not a victim. You're more than a conqueror. So make, we got to make up our minds today. Are we going to be victims or are we going to be more than conquerors? Because God can break the generational thing that's passed on. Let's, let's think about that. We said that good fathers sow good seeds into their kids so that hopefully the next generation will serve the Lord. In fact, that was God's plan for the Hebrew nation. The parents would train the children who would train their children from one generation to another. They would fear the Lord. But what happens when the father in charge, the pastor in the home, as they say, what if he's downright evil or out of it, a drug dealer? What do you do? Just give up? Well, I'm, you know, it's all over because, no, listen, God can absolutely break that, not generational curse. There are no generational, generational curses. Please, if you're a Christian, there's no curse on you. How could you be a Christian and have a curse on you? I mean, what's that about? Jesus lives inside my life, but there's a curse on me. Stop that. That's nonsense. But there is the natural passing down from generation to generation, what we learn, what we observe, what we see. But God can undo that. God can break through in your life, in my life. All kinds of members of our churches, in our church, 
are, are the first generation that's serving the Lord. Their parents and their grandparents did not want to talk about God, did not serve God. In fact, many have come and won their parents to the Lord. The Bible tells us here that in the Old Testament, probably the wickedest king in the history of Judah, the southern kingdom, was a king named Manasseh. And although he very dramatically repented at the very end of his life, but listen, while he was sitting as king for decades, he did every evil thing you could think of, and then the stuff you couldn't think of, he did that too. He brought idols into the temple. Listen, this guy was a disaster. He, after he died, the kingdom was turned over to his king, Amon, A-M-O-N. Amon's officials conspired against him and assassinated him in his palace. Then the people of the land killed all who had plotted against King Amon, and they made Josiah, his son, king in his place. So Manasseh is a disaster, and I mean wicked. Amon, his son, follows in his footsteps. He gets assassinated, and then the people on his side assassinate the assassinators. That's a great, great situation. Now, Josiah becomes king at eight years old. Josiah was eight years old, 2 Chronicles 34, when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem 31 years. He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord and followed the ways of his father David, speaking of his great, 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 great grandfather, not turning aside to the right or to the left. In the eighth year of his reign, he became king at eight. Eight years later, he's 16. While he was still young, he began to seek the God of his father, David. Then four years later, he starts cleaning up the temple and he does undoes all the mess that has happened prior to his taking the throne. I don't know what God used to get to him. How could you be so godly at eight years old and 16 years old when you got a father who was assassinated, who was evil incarnate, and your grandfather was the ultimate evil? How, how, how do you end up that way? Because with God, all things are possible. Someone prayed somewhere. Someone got to him, some prophet, some godly person, some woman, some man got Josiah when he, when he was young and said, you don't have to be like your ancestors. You can break that chain of events and set up a new way of living for the children that you bear. And that's what can happen. That's what can happen. So if you've had a bad dad, and you're serving the Lord, remember, you don't have to follow his example. You set a new standard. Don't copy him when you make decisions. Don't think of how, how was it when I grew up. You don't want to know how it was when you grew up. You want to go by the word of God. You think I ever think, oh, let me copy my dad's ways. Stop it. That's, I don't want to do that. When he was sober <clears throat> and came back to the Lord, I could learn things from him, but generally speaking, that was not a good example for me. But God is our example. God puts things together where it seems hopeless. So when there's no dad, there is a dad. And when there's a bad dad, God is able to break through generational patterns of sin. 
So let's close talking about God himself as father, because that's what we've been talking about. We've all had different experiences with fatherhood. But now God calls himself father. The name used to us Christians is, oh, creator, no, our father. Oh, mighty God who reigns on high. No, those things are true. But Jesus said, when you pray, remember your relationship. He's your father. Now, God is a double father in a way. He's the father in a general sense of everyone who's been created. Everyone who's breathing has God as their father. So that means, you know, all of humankind is linked together because we have the one creator father in that sense. But, oh, for believers, for believers, you and I have to grasp on Father's Day a new revelation of the fatherhood of God. No matter what your experience has been in the past, we're losing out because we've lost the fatherhood of God as believers. Forget society. They're going to go their merry way. They always have. But we're the called out ones. We're the Christians. When Jesus said to Nicodemus, you must be born again, Nicodemus said, what, I go back in my mother's body? No, you got to be born from above. When you're born again and receive Christ, you come into a new family. A new family, born again, born from above. Now your spiritual father is your father, God. Who are your siblings? Everybody who's in the family of God. The Bible calls us that. Yes, a holy nation, but that's not as personal. Yes, saints, but that's not as personal as the family of God. That's why we call each other brothers and sisters. Our Father which art in heaven. Brothers and sisters. Romans 8 tells us that when you become a Christian, listen, Romans 8 15, 16, I believe. God's spirit in us bears witness with our human spirit, small s. God's spirit bears witness with our spirit. It's an experience. It's not just a doctrine. And we know that we belong and we're able to say, Abba, Father, dear Father, Father, like we've never said it before. The spirit bears witness. You're not alone. You're in a family. God is your Father. And if we love our kids, can you imagine how God loves us as our father? What father doesn't care for his children who's a normal father? In fact, Jesus said, if you being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father give what you need to you and rejoice in doing it? He loves to bless us because he's his dad. When a kid comes to a dad the father's love is so great, he's not going to say to the kid, all right, I'll feed you lunch. No, come on, sit down, son. Let's do this. That's the father we have. And the spirit bears witness with our spirit. Sometimes you'll find that happening. It's happened to me many times. Just walking down the street, I'll just, father, I have a dear friend who's a minister, retired minister, and I remember he would always say just, in moments of stress, Father, just Father, Father, Father. He had a bad example for a father just like mine. Maybe that's why that word came to him. Came to me a little later. 
But oh, I rejoice in the fact that all of us today can say, Father, Father, our Father. That's my identity. That's my protection. That's, that's my support. My support is my heavenly Father. Because my biological father is dead. So is my mother. So what am I now? An orphan? I am not an orphan. I have a heavenly father. You have a heavenly father. Two things have happened because we've lost that revelation and conviction. Number one, we don't go to our father and pray. When Jesus linked prayer and taught prayer in Matthew and the other gospels, he was always linking it to, you're not talking to a stranger, you're talking to your father. Talk to your father. Talk to your father. So we've lost out on the faith that we should have when we pray because we think we're talking to an austere, distant God, you know, living out there somewhere. That's our father. You have a father who loves you so much he gave his own son to die for us. We have a father. Number two, we've paid our own price now, losing the fatherhood of God, we don't look at fellow Christians as brothers and sisters. I grew up in a little denomination when I was a kid uh, before I went to my future father-in-law's church. My parents moved there when I was about 12, 11. But I went to this original church. They, they never called anybody brother. I mean uh, pastor. There were no pastors. Everybody was brother or sister. That's be Brother Simbola. That's Sister Carol. That's Brother this, Brother that, Brother whoever. They were emphasizing what the Scripture teaches us, not we know there's apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, evangelists. But in the deeper sense, we are all one in the family of God, brother and sister. <clears throat> now, I just ask you, in Christendom today, so sad, do you think people treat each other brother and sister? You think they love each other like brother and sister? I'm asking you that. See, when you lose the fatherhood of God and that you belong to one family, then what you do is you break off into many different groups. Not one father, one family, my denomination, my group, my sect. And the other folks, I'm a little suspicious of them. Oh, but when God's love is flowing and we understand he's the father of us all. We call each other brother and sister, and we love each other. We love each other. Do we always agree on every single thing? No, but we talk it out. Listen, when my mom died, and we were discussing the funeral arrangements, she died at 104. I sometimes think she went through so much, she got so strong in the Lord, and physically she endured, oh my goodness. When she died, my brother, sister, and I would be talking about things do you think we would ever fight? We're adults now. Do you think we would ever fight? How could you fight with your brother or sister who you love? I'm going to fight with Pat, my sister. I'm going to fight with Bob, my brother. When my mom and dad were in one family together, plus we're Christians. But you see, if you lose that and there's not that family love flowing, oh, listen, Christians are each other's throats today. Not brother and sister, enemy. You're not even a Christian. Judging each other, mad at each other. Because we've lost, and what does a father feel when he sees that? I've got three children. If my kids were fighting like cats and dogs, 
That would break my heart. How must God feel when he looks down? He has, he's the one father of one family, and you would never know it by the way we act. So let's restore the fatherhood of God in our lives by the Holy Spirit through the word of God being read and meditated on. Because we have the best father. Matthew 23, 9 says, you have one father in heaven, Jesus said. You have one father. You don't have 35 fathers. You have one father in heaven. Not to dismiss biological dads, but you have one father who will remain with you forever. And to live fatherless in this world, I don't know if you can make it. See, God is talking to us today don't ignore me because you need me to get through every day. You have to live with a sense of my father's eye is watching me. My father is there to help me. If I stumble, my father is there to pick me up. If you lose that sense, now you're alone. There's that sense of isolation. Then comes anger. I don't have a father who will take care of me. I got to look out for myself. And what's beautiful is the scripture tells us many things about God and his fatherhood. But boy, I found this verse. I didn't know this verse existed. Jeremiah 3.19, I myself said, this is God talking, how gladly would I treat you like my children and give you a pleasant land, the most beautiful inheritance of any nation. I thought, I thought you would call me father and not turn away from following me. God is talking to Israel now and saying, I love you. Don't go away. Don't worship fake gods. Don't get carried away by foreign cultures. I, I would do anything for you, but what I wanted you to do is turn and say, Father. You know, like a father wants to be identified as a father. You don't want your kids saying, hey, buddy, what's up with you? No, Father. Mi padre, my father. He's, God says, I wanted you to say, call me father. God, I mean, is that not full of such pathos? God wants us to call him father. It's just not a privilege. He loves us so much. He said, please acknowledge me. Call me father. So where are you today? Are you living with a consciousness of the fatherhood of God, that he loves you and cares for you? Are you living isolationist? Have you had no dad, bad dad, maybe a great dad? And kudos again to you pastors uh, in the home, you fathers. You're imitating, as it were, your heavenly father. There's nothing like being in the Father's arms. How many times have I been surrounded by pressure, condemnation, a mess of my own making, circumstances I never imagined, and oh, it, it's, it's lonely and cold out there. Remember what the prodigal said? He wanted his money. The other brother stayed at home. Dad, I want my money. And he went out and blew it all on wild living. And he ended up eating with the pigs. He wanted to eat their food. 
And then he said, he came to himself. And here's what I want to leave with you. He said, I will arise and go to my father's house. Maybe you're listening to me today and you need to arise, not out of your chair. Stay seated. You need to arise in your heart and say, you know what? No one loves me more than my heavenly father. No one. No one. He is love. I'm going to go to his house. And he's the father of mercies, the Bible says, 2 Corinthians. So when the, when the son came who had blown all the money and disrespected his father, what did the father say? Like, oh, it's like that now, huh? Now you need me. I knew, you know, I knew this would happen. Like, have you learned your lesson? That's what we would do in our carnality. Flesh, anger, resentment. Father, I have sinned against you. I have sinned against. No, okay. Come in the house. No, I'm not worthy. Let me be a servant. No, shh, shh. Please, come in the house. I got a table prepared for you. I know, but I've I know what you've done. It doesn't matter. My love is greater than your mess up. My love is greater than your mess up come in the house. He was right. I will arise and go to my father's house. But even the prodigal didn't imagine the father would love him that deeply. Can we pray together? Father, we're coming home. Thank you for every dad that's listening. Help them to be strong and father their kids in the ways of the Lord. But we thank you that you love us so much that where there's no dad or a bad dad, we have the best dad. And you protect and you make a way where there's no way. And you replace that which is absent with something even better. I praise you, Heavenly Father. Help us to live with a consciousness that you are our Father. We're not alone in this world. You're our dad. You're our Father. Help us to trust in your love and your faithfulness and not live scared, nervous, anxiety-ridden lives. That must break your heart when you own the cattle on a thousand hills and you are all-powerful. My Father is all-powerful. Help us to live with the confidence that you will finish the work that you have begun in our lives. Help us now to live with a new sense of we have an Our Father that we can talk to every moment of every day. Thank you for your love for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.